Hi, and welcome to the Colorado Tech Podcast from the Colorado Technology Association, bringing you insights into our tech community. I'm your host, Franny Matthews. Let's get started. Well, um, I'm thrilled to be here with uh, Tony Niels Graves, who is uh, head of the broadband office for the state of Colorado. And Tony, you're also COO for IT for, as well? Yeah, yeah, for the Office of Information Technology. I took on that additional role uh, last October. So I've awesome. got two jobs. Yeah. yeah, awesome, that's great. <laughs> I'm sure you had cycles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you have, a, 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 as the, the uh, director of the broadband um, office, um, you've got a really big job, but you also have an incredible background for this. Tell me a little bit about your background in telecommunications. Okay, great. Um, well, I've, I've been around for a while. Uh, my, my corporate experience it lasted uh, 40 years, and so I started out uh, out of college working for Bell Laboratories uh, and worked for AT&T and also Lucent Technologies. So I uh, spent uh, close to 22 years in the communications industry directly and then another 17 years working for Intel Corporation uh, based out of Oregon. Uh, I was actually originally hired on to Intel to really take on their um, engagement into the communications industry because everybody knows Intel from the PCs that we all purchase but uh, they were very interested in getting into the communications industry. So I, I got a chance to work there as well. And uh, it's just given me a, a wealth of, of experience that uh, I'm able to bring to this job, so. That's, that's awesome. I had a lot of experience in telecommunications during that same time. And mm -hmm. it's, um, it's very valuable to understand the complexities of what's going on now and, and kind of how we got there. So in your work with the state of Colorado, um, you've got a big job to get broadband, which is critically important to our entire state. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not without challenges. Can you talk a little bit about the state of where we are with broadband deployment? Absolutely. And uh, so I joined the state in 2017 uh, that's when the uh, broadband office was created. And uh, under the previous administration, the, the goal at that time was, you know, we've been talking and talking and talking about broadband, um, but we weren't making the progress that we wanted to make. And so uh, we created the office to sort of coordinate everything at a state level and really start to engage communities. And so, um, and, and, and the reason I'm here, by the way, is because I am so passionate about this issue. You know, I think it is the equivalent of the electrification of, of, of the United States back in, starting back in the 1930s. This is this generation's version of that. Um, and the good news is, is that, you know, since, since 2017, we've made some really good progress. Um, one of the biggest accomplishments was in 2018, we passed Senate Bill 2 that gave the state uh, $115 million to, to use for, for grants. Um, and, uh, and the whole focus was really around rural parts of the state. And so if you kind of look at where we are right now in, in 2020, um, we, we have been tracking uh, access. And when I, when I think about the whole broadband issue, 
there's really kind of four attributes to it. One is availability or access. Do you have access to it? The other is, is it affordable? And, you know, in other words, can you pay for it? Can you afford to pay for it? And then there's the quality issue. And my definition of quality is how fast is your internet? And then the last piece is, is it reliable? Is it always there? And again, getting back to your comment earlier about the telecommunications industry, one of the things that AT&T was always going to guarantee you is that when you picked up that handset, you were going to get dial tone. Um, and so we've been focusing on rural uh, Colorado. Our metric is households. In a lot of states and at the uh, federal level, they talk about the number of people who have access to broadband. But I think a more accurate way to think about this is whether or not your household has access to an internet connection. And we've moved the needle from roughly 73% back in 2017 to 87%. And it, I always get asked the question, by the way, is that, well, how many rural households do we have? And we roughly, based on the Census Bureau's definition of rural America, is roughly about 600,000 homes uh, would be classified as being rural. And uh, so that's, that's really a good movement of the needle. Um, we've done a really good job, I think, in terms of focusing on school districts, because um, one of the challenges we had previously is that school districts also did not have good quality broadband in all cases. But as of late last year, we were able to, to declare that 100% of our school districts have meet the federal guideline in terms of uh, uh, available broadband per student. And you know, we can always debate about whether or not that's good enough, but the good news is that, that our schools are connected. Um, and most of this has happened because of the grant programs that the state has been investing in over a number of years between the Department of Local Affairs and the Department of Regulatory Agencies. And so, you know, since 2012, um, we've invested through uh, DOLA over $28 million in planning grants and in fiber infrastructure grants for communities. And so these will go out to municipalities and counties to build fiber infrastructure into those communities. And then we've spent another $34 million on what we talk about as being last mile, that actual connection to the household. And I'm proud to say that we've been able to fund 43 projects over, over uh, since 2016 um, to really uh, connect 21,000 households. So it's been, it's been a good um, uh, movement to date, but as you might imagine, there's still a lot of work to do. Yeah, yeah. And certainly COVID-19 uh, illuminated that with everybody going, <laughs> several people in the household needing to have broadband and the criticality of that from an education perspective. So um, when you look at, you know, going to, going to the next level, what are the, what are the biggest challenges? Is, are they financial challenges? Are they technical challenges? Are they regulatory challenges? Um, that's a great question. And it, it kind of falls, the challenges that I think we have going forward kind of fall into a couple of, uh, buckets. One is we don't have enough money. Um, the investment to build out this infrastructure, two years ago, we tried to do an estimate of what would it take if we were to connect every household in the state. Um, and we estimated it to be roughly $300 million, um, which is a lot of money, um, particularly as we've come into, you know, the situation we're dealing with now with the pandemic, because, you know, state revenues are declining, right? Um, so the big ticket issue for us is, do we have enough money 
to really address and, and fix this issue. Um, and then the other piece of it that's, that's a huge challenge for us is accuracy of data. Um, one of the biggest challenges that, that we're faced with, both at the federal level and of course it bleeds down to the state level, well, how good is the coverage in the state? And you know, can we get a good accurate measure of where the gaps are so that we can go address those problems? You know, the federal government, the FCC has admitted that their data is not very good. And the good news is you're starting to see some initiatives to try to address that. And so for us, you know, having accuracy of that data so that we can target the funds that we have to the areas with the greatest need um, is, is really important. Um, and then you mentioned, you know, the COVID and, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, we're all working from home, you know, children have to try to, you know, uh, go to school remotely, it starts to get into that next layer of, of challenge that, that I see. Even if you have access to broadband, um, do you have all the other tools that you need to be uh, able to get online? In other words, can, can your parents pay for that access so that you have a connection? Um, are there multiple people in the household who are sharing a device, for example, um, and it just goes on and on. So there's just these layers of complexity um, that, that we see as we go forward. So it, it's, it's a multi-layered challenge, I think, as, as we move into the next few years. Yeah, I, I, I would wholeheartedly agree with you. And, you know, going back to the idea of the history, the history is interesting because we didn't just have electricity show up. There was, you know, there was a, a concerted, you know, effort that was, you know, a group or a, at a at a na national level, uh, and then also universal uh, telephone service that came, you know, with AT and T being in a monopoly and saying, okay, you get this much guaranteed profit. However, you have to provide service to everyone, and we don't have that now in the current. Uh, environment. Now, the nice thing about our current environment is there's a lot of innovation going on, um, but it, it does create some challenges in figuring out how this is funded so that we don't wind up um, in a bad situation from a societal perspective where people just don't have access to participate. Um, can we talk about kind of some of the, the positives that you see? I know that you... Um, you, you said you're doing this because you're so passionate about it. Um, I look at all the possibilities that when we do have ubiquitous broadband, what that would mean and what, what that could do in the areas of equality and, uh, you know, ac just access. Um, yeah, thank you. And I, I think you, you know, you touched on some analogies again, you know, with the electrification of, of the United States back, you know, started back in the mid 1930s. I mean, it was done because of economic, you know, development of rural America. Um, and then the next wave of that was, you know, ensuring that people have access to a telephone because the telephone at that time, and you and I both were part of that, that history, that was the way that you conducted business and commerce and everything that occurred. Um, and it was, it was important to have that access. Internet, access has become that next wave. And you're absolutely correct. You know, in a world where everybody had good, reliable, consistent, affordable uh, broadband connectivity, 
you know, it, it, it just blows your mind in terms of what you could do. You know, and I, I get asked that question a lot. Well, you know, what do you think, you know, is going to happen as we give everybody a, a gigabit, you know, connectivity? And I said, well, I don't know. But right now, not having that access is probably limiting innovation. You know, because there's going to be some great idea that's going to occur because you now have access to all this information to go generate some new ideas, some new business, new opportunity, have better access to education, better access to job opportunities and so forth. So um, that's what makes me very excited. And we've seen a lot of little examples of that where, you know, these very small communities, uh, one of my favorite ones that I talk about all the time is Red Cliff, Colorado. Uh, when I first joined, they had been working for years to get internet access into this community. It's, it's an old mining town. It, it moved away from being mining to more of a tourist area. And they didn't have any internet. Not only did they not have internet, they did, your, your mobile phones didn't even work in this community. People literally had to get in their car and drive, you know, five miles outside of town, get up out of the valley to make a 911 call. So, you know, by working with, the federal government, um, uh, the county, the town, the state government, it, was, it took a village to bring internet into that community. Today, they actually have really good broadband services in this community. It's a community of about 300 people. But the stories that you hear now in terms of people being able to, you know, conduct business or even, you know, purchase things on Amazon, you know, very simple things that a lot of us in more urban communities think that is very easy to do has completely changed their lives. And their children now have the ability to have access to the internet. So they actually have better educational outcomes. You know, so it just, you can just see how that, that all just ties together. And, and that's what I think, you know, having this ubiquity of, of connectivity is going to, to really bring for everybody. Yeah, I feel the same way, and the, the the I think it's a critical cornerstone to the the rejuvenation of much of our rural community, because you know you mentioned mining, um, agriculture has changed, and so uh, you know this is an opportunity to to bring access in, and also, you know I. I talk a lot about, you know, just having the access to expertise on learning. And, you know, I'm a big believer in massively open online courses. I have been doing Coursera for a long time. And you see thousands of people being educated, uh, you know, in, in mass. Now that's not, it doesn't solve all the problems, but it gets expertise out uh, to areas that wouldn't have it otherwise. So absolutely. Yeah. And it just gives the ability, you know, to share information, you know, and uh, I, I think it over time, you know, what is changing is the dynamic of about how people learn because you have access to so much information. I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, uh, it, and I, I, I love what's going on in rural uh, Colorado. I mean, you look at, I don't know that you could call Grand Junction necessarily rural, but it's, mm -hmm. you know, Western slope there's tremendous things going on there mm -hmm. from a mm -hmm. technology perspective we're seeing really cool stuff going on in steamboat we're seeing really cool stuff going on in canyon city and uh that you know it it that's that's enabled by broadband absolutely so let's talk a little bit about um some emerging technologies that also have promise uh for you know either 
uh, creating more economy uh, in in doing this or um, or augmenting what we consider broadband. I mean, we've got four G or five G. What you know? What what are you looking at with wireless and mm -hmm. satellite? Any of those things yeah. that are interesting. Yeah, there, there's a lot of of innovation occurring in this industry. Um, of course, you know, the gold standard that everyone sort of uses is fiber. You know, it's like if I have fiber to the home, you know, or, or business, it's like that's, that's the sort of the watermark I want to measure everyone else against. Um, but what I will say, you know, is that I do see 5G as being a very complementary service um, because I'm a realist. You know, when you look at, at the geography of, of Colorado, it's a very big state. You have this huge eastern plains. Um, you have our wonderful 14-footers, you know, sort of Rocky Mountain range cutting through half of the state. Um, so when you look at that, you know that there's always going to be challenges in terms of having, you know, everyone have a, a fiber connection. Um, because, again, there's going to be some places where it's just really, really expensive to get there. Um, so, you know, when you look at 5G, I don't think necessarily it's going to replace the need for fiber. But I do think it can also bring uh, uh, another choice to some of these areas where it's a little bit hard to get that fiber too. And then in the more urban parts of the state, you know, the cities, 5G, I think it will also be uh, very complimentary because it'll give you that high-speed capability to a cell phone. And so now you have this portability of literally a hotspot that you have in your pocket. Yeah. And, and so... Um, I'm very bullish about that. You know, having been a technologist my entire career, I'm always looking for cool new technology. Um, you hear a lot of conversation about uh, low Earth orbit s satellites. Um, I think that's a very intriguing technology. Um, but what I've said to the industry when I talk to them is I said, I love it, show it to me. So when you guys get some of these things deployed and, and really can start demonstrating what you can deliver, you know, I'm all for it. Um, and, it, and then it just goes on and on. I mean, there's, there's, you know, Microsoft has been investing for a number of years in uh, what they call TV white space, which essentially is that if you remember the old TV broadcast stuff when you had rabbit ears in your house, there's space in between each one of those TV stations that's not used. And, and it's a very good technology. Um, and again, I think what Microsoft has done is invested in that technology. And what they're doing is licensing it, frankly, for free because they hope that this would be another low cost way to get, get connectivity. And I think the way we have to approach this is don't say that you only can pick one. I think you have to look at all of these solutions and make sure that, that you have those available because what that think, I think, what I think that will do is drive competition. And competition is a good thing in industry because I think it drives innovation but it also drives competitiveness and cost because again, that, and that gets to that issue of affordability. Yeah. 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 I would, it's, it's very, it's fascinating where we've come and where we are now mm -hmm. and, and where this is going to take us. And I think in five years, it's going to be a big difference. I think that, and as you say, I think that the, there's going to be new technologies that will give choices on how we approach some of this stuff. And, you know, we talked about co connecting people, but mm -hmm. I also look at 5G of connecting things that's critically important for local economies. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, you know, IoT in, in agriculture uh, is very important. 
I'm glad you brought that up. I, I will make a shout out for my last job that I had at Intel Corporation before I left as I was the general manager of the Internet of Things group. And we saw exactly that, that going beyond just the connectivity of you and I, for example, you know, talking to each other, um, devices and machines will become more and more intelligent and start sharing information. And, you know, a great example of that for, for Colorado is precision agriculture you know, where the machines do all the work and they've got GPS and they're communicating and you get the right amount of water on your crops. I mean, the technology is just phenomenal and there's no human involved. Um, and so you're right. It's just going to continue to spiral in terms of the amount of data and information that's available. And I, I just can't even predict what the future will look like. But uh, when we were doing some of this research at Intel, what we saw was is just by unleashing the ability to cheaply store, move, and compute on that data could open up all kinds of new op economic opportunities that you'd never imagined. You right. know? And, and that's, that's, that's what's the key here. So you're, you're absolutely right. So having that ubiquity of connectivity will drive all of that innovation. And that's, that's what I, I fundamentally believe that. Yeah. yeah, I do too. And I think, uh, I, I, I think that it will reshape so many things. It, re, it will reshape how we think of supply chain. Mm -hmm. It will reshape how we can redeploy because we'll have the data to know where we could redeploy resources and use our resources most effectively. So it's exciting. It's, I mean, I, it, it, I'm sure you feel the same way. It's scary at times, but mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's an exciting time. And um, I just want to thank you, Tony, for the great work that your team is doing and um, and your passion for the subject because I'm with you. I, I think this is critically important for our state and our nation. Thank you, uh, Franny. And I enjoyed the opportunity to have a chat with you. And I'm really bullish. You know, if there can be a positive in this pandemic and the challenge that we're all faced with today, I think it's just reemphasize for everyone how important this connectivity is and you see all the activity at the federal level with legislation to try to invest in broadband infrastructure i'm very bullish about the future i believe that we will come out of this um, and and the, and the economy and the country will be in a better place because we are going to make those investments to try to improve um, our our communications infrastructure in a way that that i think will drive you know, drive the economy and drive innovation. So I, I'm excited about it. I, I, I'm waiting for that next chapter. Awesome. I, me too. But I, I'm uh, I'm really um, happy to share your optimism. Uh, I I feel the same way. So thank you very much, and um, we just appreciate you in our state. Thank you so much, Franny. All right. Take care. Take care.